Hello, I'm Holly, and welcome to the podcast Spooky Saturday. My friend Kayla and I are here to question the suspicious, investigate the intriguing, and do our best to distinguish fact from fiction. Each episode, we dive headfirst into a topic of choice and find stories, evidence, history, and more to discuss and debate. Join us in earning some merit badges, Spooky Scouts. Now let's begin. Welcome to Spooky Saturday. I'm here with my lovely host, Kayla, <laughs> and I'm ho- your other host, Holly. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just moved the, I was just like waiting for the uh, thing to go live and I accidentally moved our like text and I was like, oh, it's haunted. It's moved. The text is moving. Spooky. No one will ever notice. No one will ever know. Oh no, the hype train. Ugh. What is the hype train? I literally have no and idea. The- Twitch, um, for all of you listening on the podcast, t- we're live on Twitch on s- on Saturdays, of course, and there's a hype train, so sometimes it'll just, like, start a countdown for some reason. Oh. And I don't know why, and it just says, like, whoa, like, and if someone subs, like, thank the villain, 76, just subscribe, and it's, like, Seth Rose confetti, and it's, like, hype, and that's what it says. I'm hoping that we can, like, change it so it says something else, but I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? The mysteries of the universe. I don't know. <laughs> no, this is not a Scottish background. And my background is just always, it's cloudy area 51. <laughs> but I'm in a sweater, so it's, you know, sorry. I just wanted to sit cross-legged. I wanted to get all cozy. I feel that. I'm in sweatpants. Gotta get cozy. I feel like getting cozy and spooky. Mm-hmm. So today, we're going to be talking about vampires. <sighs> There's so much. <laughs> There's so well, much. First, first, let's talk about current events. The world still exists. That's good. Or does it? Or does it? Unless. <laughs> Unless. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah, I can't. I I can't think of anything that has happened. I went camping. That was nice. Yeah, that did look really nice. Did you see anything scary? <laughs> no. Oh. I did see so that ice, that like f- that fungus ice called hair ice. That and was that's crazy. really cool. That was so cool. And it's like. It's created, they think it's created from, I guess, like, an act of, like, suction between, like, like the wood and, like, the water, like, being sucked into the wood. They thought it was pressure, but I guess it's suction. I don't know. Yeah. So, apparently, that's what caused it. But if you look up, if you look it up, the hair ice, like, there's way longer, like, it gets longer and it just looks like, like, the witcher's hair. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Call it Geralt ice. Geralt ice. Yeah. It, it looks, it's, like, really long. It's impressive. The only one I saw was really, really tiny, but um, it was really cool. So that was fun. Nice. That was that was a, that was interesting. Saw some mushrooms. I mean, mushrooms are always good. Yeah, very relevant. Very relevant. Very fun. I haven't done anything in my. I was telling Holly that uh, last night in my D and D game, I cut off our friend Hadil's pinky <laughs> because it was a pinky promise. Not real, fake pinky. Fake D and D pinky. I cut off her D and D pinky. For a pinky promise. So I feel like I want to make a shirt. I did a design that I tweeted. I'm going to like refine it. And it's just a severed pinky. Oh, with the severed pinky. And it just is pinky promise because <laughs> true friends. That's amazing. True friendship. That's amazing. That's great. It's the most exciting thing in my life right now, I would say. Nice. <laughs> I keep I keep thinking about cutting my bangs again. I'm just like, yeah. I miss my like, I miss my like, 
my face security blanket. Do it. I missed my, I had like a, you know, they were like right in my face and it was like safe and I was like needed my, I don't know. They're like a little security blanket for my face and now I don't have to worry and I just look like, like RoboCop or Batman. Yeah, I don't know. I say, I say do it. You look really nice with things. Thank you. I just, I just miss them because they are just, they kept me so safe. Yeah. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it's, like, less you have to worry about. I feel like when I pull my hair back like this, I have to, like, put makeup all over my forehead, and my forehead's giant. And oh. I'm like, ugh. I'm, I know. I have a giant, I feel like I, I'm like, ah, look at all that. I mean, go away. <laughs> look at all that. Well, you look great. I just, I just like, am, I'm frustrated. Trim those bangs. Do it. I support mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Uh, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> but, yeah, other than that, that's pretty much it. Like, we've just been talking about being tired. I think it's just that. I think it's honestly the season. Like, we are at the end of winter. The cusp of spring is around the corner. Like, flowers are already blooming. And I'm like, it's too early. Don't do that. It's going to get cold again. You need to stop. It's, like, warm today. I haven't really been outside. I've been too busy being inside stressed out. But, like, it's really nice out, apparently. And it's like that. And then I don't know how much I subscribe to this, but apparently... Mercury is in retrograde and something is oh, in yeah. Pisces right now. And Pisces is oh, like yeah. the like over emotional. And I'm like, maybe that's right. it. Maybe that's why I'm like right. losing my mind and also am tired and everything's broken. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. It could be. Um, just, you know, keep your candles and crystals close. And just so you know, if you have a problem with Mercury Mercury in retrograde or with psychic vampires. Oh, my God. Oh no, Kayla went away. I'm sorry. Kayla's back. That's fine. I'm a psychic vampire. I was going to show you. Thanks to our friends at Goop. Oh my god, <laughs> they're not our friends. They're they don't not. give us any money. Do not. I just wanted. To, don't give them any money, please. But there's there's your psychic vampire repellent protection mist. There it is. There's that's real. It's thirty dollars. Please, please don't give them that money. <laughs> Go. It's probably like I guarantee you. It's like. It's like lavender and like whatever, like protection herbs with some like essential oil and water with some crystals jammed in there. Because yeah. I have some room sprays like that. I like room sprays. I like them a lot. They make my room smell nice. Mm-hmm. But they're not, I know they're not going to repel a psychic vampire. And that it's like ridiculous. Uh, if you have never heard of goop, it's like the worst. You could Google it. It's the worst. And you could see this room spray if you Google goop. Uh, is yeah. it Gwyneth Paltrow? It is, yeah. And I'm like, oh, honey, what is you doing? Like, you have a nice career. Like- it is. Oh, my God. Geraldo said it right it's in chat. Please don't support Goop because it's rich folks stealing money from desperate housewives and hippies. Yeah, it seems like it's like a pyramid scheme or not it really is. a pyramid scheme because I guess they're, you're not reselling it. But it's just like, it's just a, it's a scam. And a sauce. I don't see any psychic vampires in your room. Clearly, it's working. I don't own it. <laughs> there could be. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and there are. They, she also has a candle that smells like her no-no place. So I hate. Yes, I hate it. I know. And well, and that's what makes that's what makes me laugh. I'm just like, okay, psychic vampires. So we can talk about those as well because apparently those are still real. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whoo. Um. Yeah, they're psychic and vampires. They're like psionic vampires. Whoa. Uh, yeah. They're vampire mind flayers. Whoa. I feel like that's what. The book I read is, which is a manual on how to become a vampire. Okay. Legitimately, uh, legitimately, uh, in in quotes. Um, Yeah. Do you want me to tell you about this book? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I said mine's like I went the like I was like Holly's going to use her skills because I'm feeling unemployable, so I'm going <laughs> to use my skills from my medieval studies degree to go into the J store, which is where they put all of the academic articles from the past like however many years and read about some real academic vampire like uh you know articles that you would read like in a in a history class. So I have a bunch of those to tell you guys about, which are very exciting. Okay, you you tell you start first because yours sound legitimate and mine is literally <laughs> bonkers. No, I want to start. I want to start. We started with goop. We're gonna move in with the bonkers stuff and then Ooh. into the real stuff. Okay. okay, okay. The book that I purchased from the Bigfoot convention. Uh, a couple oh my years God, amazing. ago. From I just love that it was from the Bigfoot convention. Yeah, from a gentleman who curated occult books. It's called uh, The Codex Aristarchus, Aristarchus by someone named A.A. Moraine, who I googled like 10 minutes before the show, and he may or may not be a terrible person. I believe he's a terrible <laughs> person because this book is terrible. Please do not purchase it. Do not give him your money. I'll tell you everything. Don't buy the psychic vampire spray. Don't buy the vampire book. Yeah. Subscribe to JSTOR. You can learn academic things. Yes, please do that. Don't do this. Like, please, whatever you do. I wonder if JSTOR would sponsor us. Please, <laughs> JSTOR. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I want to give people the legitimate knowledge, not this crazy, potentially terrible person's advice. Yeah. But it is a... The weird thing about this book is I skimmed a lot of it. Um, half of it seems to be a short novel slash fan fiction about being a vampire. <laughs> I'm really confused about that part. What? I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with that because, okay, let's talk okay. about the structure of this book. Okay. okay. All right. We're going in deep. The, code, the Codex Aristarchus, Aristarchus, whatever, mm-hmm. is a descriptive manual on how to become and maintain vampirism. Okay. And transcend life to become a lich. Um, And then, you know, that's about like, I don't know, like not almost half of the book. And then the other half, it just is, it just says the more. And then it's structured like a novel and has chapters. And I didn't read it because it just, it's, it's like a short novel about someone following this vampiric path. So they're just like, Hey, if you haven't subscribed to this already, let's tell you a story about someone who has question mark. I don't okay. know. Her name is Annalise, and she's followed okay. the vampiric path as laid out by her master for over ten years now. And it's like it's like a it's like a story. It's like a short fan fiction story. And then it goes back into like more things about being a vampire. So I'm really confused. This book is garbage. Please do not buy it. <laughs> But I had to tell you that half of it is fan fiction. Like, I had to okay. describe that to you. So, like, is it written in first person, third person? Like, it's written give in us, give third us, person. Just, like, find find a paragraph and just get, read it to us. Like, give us Gosh. give us an example of what's happening here. Ooh. Annalise now needed to find a suitable individual to govern in her stead. The few minions she kept close by were unreliable, and any semblance of order soon fell apart in the absence of her charismatic leadership. No. She would find one similar to herself and raise her through greatness so that she may have an heir. <laughs> That's half the book. My word. Oh, my word. And <laughs> it, it's like, it's like, it starts out and it's like, Annalise is a vampire and she's been a vampire for so long and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, that's chapter zero. And chapter one okay. is like, uh, 
that's that's me, record scratch. Let me tell you where it's all started. And it's like... Some of you wondered how I got <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, I bet you're wondering how I got here. And it's like 20 years ago, a young girl discovered a book left behind in an old shop bookshop in Ilkley. The shopkeeper oh said a man had left it behind, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be like this book. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. I'm just, I can't. It's uh, real interesting. Wow. So, like, what's the process, though? They're like, if they're, like, telling you how to become a lich and a vampire, like, how does one do that? <laughs> well, let me tell you. Uh, well, I want to know. <laughs> I will tell you. Okay. Let's see. I have a lot of things bookmarked in here. Okay. <laughs> it's so much. Just keep going. I, I'm going to read you. Okay. Let me, let me kind of read you the things that I bookmarked, and then we'll get to it, because they okay. kind of do a lot of setup. They do a lot of explanation onto, into why you want to become a vampire. Yeah. And then you get into the nitty gritty of how, okay? There's a ritual you have to go through, all right? But this, he talks about the Dracon Covenant, which is a small secret order of individuals who've devoted their lives to the pursuit and attainment of lich-like existence beyond death and during life. Their aim is simple, the creation of a vampiric phenotype, which can sustain itself on human hosts to haunt this earth in the cold star-filled void for as long as they desire. Oh. The primary means of doing this is through the opening of their own nexions via the exploration of the unconscious, as well as the various methods of astral travel. So, that's the type of vampire <laughs> you will become if you subscribe okay. to this. I mean, that sounds pretty sweet. I know. It's, uh, well, it gets pretty, like, hot topic edgy, if I'm, if I'm being honest. I mean, that's what it, that's, that's the vibe that I got. But like, I mean, compare that to the description of the psychic vampire repellent. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. (laughs) If this sounds similar, please put a fact in the chat. Oh, God. If there's a more pleasurable way to banish psychic vampires, we don't know it. The essential oil blend of lavender, didn't I say lavender? Wasn't I, I was right. Lavender, rosemary, and juniper is an energy refreshing scent with the tendency, tendency to conjure up positivity. Shake gently before each use. Spray around the aura to protect from psychic attack and emotional harm. Avoid contact with eyes. Do not ingest. (laughs) Do not ingest. Well, that's interesting because they go into auras on here and they they describe the a person's aura as merely a shell that you need to break through to get to the good bits that you need to eat. Fact. Uh, oh my god so the the soul you got to get through the soul to get to the squishy oh, you gotta, bits you gotta inside. get through that aura the aura mm. <laughs> get all ne- yeah all right, nearly all a right. husk to get you to the good okay. stuff but let let us let us backtrack a little bit so i'm gonna okay. tell you the definition of vampirism according to this crazy guy i shouldn't i shouldn't call him crazy i'm sorry that's wrong this this guy i'm gonna eat a red vine okay <laughs> you enjoy that red vine Vampirism is the creation of a new type, a new phenotype of Homo sapiens. As such, we will be above the human in the food chain. Humanity is currently the apex predator, the top dog in evolution. Ascending above them will see us become the ultimate life form, which lesser humans will come to recognize. I think this guy is just a narcissist. Yes, 100%. I think he's just just making up his own, like, narrative of life. Says the, the Dracon Covenant strives to do this by achieving what has been termed elsewhere as an intercausal existence, existing in both realms simultaneously in a more overt manner than which we currently do. As star wraiths, our Imperium will stretch to the farthest reaches of the cosmos. We will then be fit to haunt the stars, 
growing wise beyond reckoning, and feeding eternally upon the human cattle. Okay. Star race? I mean, that does sound pretty dope. I mean, that sounds dope. Like, I want to haunt the stars. That sounds pretty. I want to be a star wraith. I might be signing up for this. I don't know. Um, So wait, if I, it's okay. What do you think? If we drink the psychic vampire repellent and read this book, can we become a star wraith? I don't know. I think the psychic vampire repellent is meant to to, uh, fight the vampires defined in this book. But it says don't drink it. So therefore we're breaking the pact. And we're having a forbidden snack. I do like forbidden <laughs> snacks. <laughs> I enjoy them very much. Oh my god. Oh, but we they, they ask, why vampirism? Evolution is an upward increase in consciousness and predation. The ascended entity has the natural right to, to by ability to utilize prey and make use of the creatures beneath it. That ethics are applied toward the stewardship of those beneath higher entities is honorable and beneficial in regards to ecology. However, in the human issue, a drastic culling is necessary to return the earth to a natural balance. It is thus logical and a natural progression that an increase in vampiric entities should be engineered. What? He's He's claiming that there's too many people on the earth and vampires need to exist to, like, cut down on the amount of the population of humans and that it's natural that that were to happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. It's the chain of life, according to him. Okay. The chain of life. Okay. Oh my gosh. So we're going to go into the rite of initiation. Okay. This is very long, but I feel like I need to, to read most of it so you can understand. So get, get, get a, a, a pencil if you want to take notes on how to become a vampire. Please do not write this down. Never do it. I was just holding up the fiction sign. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm. Mm, not too sure here. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So this rite awakens the latent vampiric aspects within the psyche and serves to mark a beginning of the quest towards immortality and true will to power. So it's just, this is just becoming a lich. Like, <laughs> just becoming a lich. Um, Honestly, you could just totally use this book in a D&D campaign. Yeah. Just like put a different cover on it and be like, yeah, this is this is some bad guy's book. There you go. This is my supplement <laughs> on how to become a lich. Please, please read. That, if you want to buy the book, only buy it for that reason. Yeah. Or just, uh, uh, uh. A blade or razor is required, as well as parchment or good quality paper, upon which the sigil of the dracon is to be drawn, which I think is the thing on the cover. I think it's that. I think it's like oh, this. Oh, it looks like a dragon. Yeah, it's like a, it's like kind of looks like a bunch of triangles and diamonds that form a dragon face. Okay. Prior to this, a black fast should be observed for one day. A black, a black fast, fast includes the minimal amount of speaking, socializing, and the eating of no food, or if eating, then only one light meal, no meat. What you want to do, okay? What you okay, want to do ready. is go to a nearby cemetery or graveyard on the new moon. <laughs> on the new moon, you got to go to the cemetery. Okay. Preferably when the moon is in Saturn, uh, the more suitable areas of, are those cemeteries, which are old, overgrown, and generally have places where you will not be seen. Okay. Ideal. Okay. Such places are also home to the shades of the dead whose spirits linger in such places and whose presence you should ignore during this rite. Mm-hmm. You want to go where there are ghosts, but ignore them. Find a suitable spot to sit and meditate for 10 to 15 minutes on the sigil of, of Dracon. After this, chant the Diabolus, Diabolus thrice, after which you pick up the parchment and pen and draw the Dracon sigil 
whilst vibrating agios o satanas, pick up your razor and incise a cut on your person, applying blood to the parchment while saying, my blood for the quest. Just kind of a dope thing to say. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, again, you could totally use this in your D&D game. I'm yeah. just saying. Uh, burn the parchment over a candle whilst saying, my gift for the dark gods. Now stand with arms outstretched. Wait, who are we worshipping? Satan or the dark gods? I have, make up your mind. I have like, no idea. <laughs> There's really, it's not very easily defined okay. in here. All right. Uh, okay. Now stand with arms outstretched and say, witness I, your name. Begin my quest to become a vampire. All shall tremble before my will, seen and unseen denizens of this world. I shall ascend to the throne of black immortality and crush all who defy me. Witness now the birth of the dread one. Agios. <laughs> now, take a handful of the grave dirt upon the ground and smear it on you. Meditate okay. for a few more minutes before bowing to the north and leaving. <laughs> Please tell me a security guard has found someone doing this. I know. No, you have to go or no one's going to find you. That is in the instructions. No yeah. one. No one must <laughs> no know. No Tabby says, like, not witness me. I know their language isn't even like, uh. oh, boy. Um, but yeah, and then uh, from from there, from following this initiation, every night before you sleep, you want to visualize your etheric form tr departing mm -hmm. from your physical and seeking out a victim and, you know, just try to astrally project, get that so down. So you're imagining yourself as a vampire. Yes. You want to, like, picture your astral projection to go and feed on people every night okay. after this initiation to really, like, flex those muscles as vampire muscles. Oh, every okay. night it's like taking your pills every night <laughs> take your take your meds and then then astrally project yourself into someone's house and bite them yep <laughs> and uh immediately following this like very serious description on how to become a vampire it talks about pranking wiccans like what? yeah it it uh it says one real real world task for the novi novitiate would be to infiltrate local New Age, and pagan groups, or attend fairs of the same. Often these idiots will hold Wiccan celebrations where they will conduct public rites and energy-raising rituals. Having prepared <laughs> yourself beforehand and open your blood centers to draw in sustenance, stand within view and visualize the energy being raised, either feeding yourself or being redirected towards a goal you yourself have formulated. It is best not to draw attention to yourself in these instances, and use such an event as training for your natural shape-shifting ability to move among this the masses. <laughs> This is literally a book for edgy creepers. Like, I told that's you. All this, this, this is just a book for like really like like the like the people who you're like, you know, I just because you wear a trench coat, I don't think that like you're that messed up. And then you're like, uh oh, I was wrong. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> yeah, my sticky note to mark this page just says pranking Wiccans LOL because they pranking also Rickets. Yeah, they talk about uh surely the zealous vampire can think of other novel methods with which to cause terror and increase their own power. One method utilized a while back by a Covenant member was to leave a suspect-looking suitcase at a Wiccan outdoor workshop, complete with <laughs> wires displayed. So they, they made it look like a bomb. The panic which ensued when the suitcase what was discovered these people? added a suitable garnish to the blood essence of those whom he fed upon. This person's a sociopath. Yeah. This person is a straight-up sociopath. Yeah. So they were just oh like, my God. you could put a bomb on a bunch of Wiccans doorstep and freak oh them out if you wanted God. to. And then the, the energy is more delicious. It's real this, bad. This person is just, this person is like actually unwell. Like that's not, that's like unsafe. Yeah, I don't understand this. Like he like literally in this 
published book calls Wiccans idiots, which is I know, not, I'm I know. like, please calm yourself. Like, uh, yeah. So uh, Mal, Mal error in the, in the chat says, I knew a guy who claimed to be a psychic vampire. I think he was just a toxic person. He claimed that he drained the energy of the room. He did do that, but it was by being a downer and an asshole. Um, excuse me. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps he was just a very well-practiced vampire. Okay. Right. I think the saddest thing is, like, Wiccans are a legitimate religion. Like, yeah. that'd be like going and doing that at a church. Like, you're, you're doing that to, like, people that are actually just, like, peaceful, and you're just being a douche. Yeah, this is, this is awful. Like, all of this is awful. I have... No other word yeah, for is it. Yeah, this, is this self-published, Ask Sprinkles the Dragon Cat? I feel it sounds self-published. I can't... It says uh, copyright Martinet Press 2016. Hmm. So... 2016? It's not even old. Yeah, it's it gets worse. There are... Ah, how's it get worse? It gets it worse. Get worse. It gets worse. Let me skip ahead to where it's, like, really bad. Uh, Tabby, we were just talking about how we haven't watched the show yet. We've watched the What We Do in the Shadows movie. But yeah. we watch the show. I want to watch the show really bad. Actually, let's just go in order. I'm not going to skip ahead. We'll get to the bad stuff. I know. I don't know how it gets. I don't know how it gets worse. I don't understand. <sighs> there. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Now we're going to talk about <laughs> ascending. All right. Okay. Uh, this is a short treatise on the practice of astral travel and blood feeding. Okay. The vampire mm-hmm. must feed in order to harvest more acausal blood essence and ascend the chain of being to the pinnacle of perfection. Okay. Upon what must you feed? The masses of sleeping humanity. All right. So part <laughs> I one. Spit, I spit out my tea. <laughs> Woo. Okay. So you want to lie down, focusing your attention on your breath. Mm-hmm. Focus, follow it passively as you breathe in and out. Clear your mind. Begin to fill you. You begin to fill your descent into the abyss, capital A, with each external breath, like you are sinking in in a black black ocean of infinite depth, one tiny point in a vast darkness. This is a useful method to induce a deep state and shift to alpha brainwave functioning. Do this until your mind is clear and you feel relaxed. And then next, next, you want to visualize the sigil of Dracon above you. Raining down blood essence, crimson violet in color, with filaments of plasma arcing through it. As you breathe in, this blood essence bathes you and fills your being, clearing tension from you on the outward breath. Now visualize the blood essence around you being pulled through your feet to the first blood center, opening it and infusing it with energy. Then pull energy through your feet again to the next energy center until all are complete. For further information on the blood center, see below. Abide in this deep state for a few moments, if you wish. (sighs) So it's like, visualize this bleeding sigil above your head, pouring blood and tendrils. I just, I can't. I can't. It's too much. This is so weird. Yeah, where where are the blood centers? I think it's like your chakras, basically, when I was skimming it. It's like... Here, oh. like in your forehead and your okay. neck, and from my understanding, evil chakras. Yeah, they're evil chakras. They're, they're blood evil. centers. Bl- blood centers, please. Now, visualize a black tendril descending from the dracon sigil, and with your astral hands, grasp it. Pull yourself up out of your body using the tendril, and keep focusing on this until you feel yourself begin to detach from your body. And that's how. And that's how you. Uh, I don't know. It goes on and on, but basically, that's how. You begin your proper astral projection on which you can feed upon people. But you like, you travel and you go and like 
eat people as if and they I think they compare it historically to like paintings and depictions of um night terrors. Okay. When people feel something sitting on your chest, it's not a night terror. It's oh, it's it's, it's a vampire. Um, yeah, yeah, coming to feed okay. on you. I kind of think that's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. With I kind of think the idea of like of the night terrors and like the shadow people and stuff. Maybe they're like like astrally projected, like some other creature or person coming to get you. That's cool. Yeah, like I kind of like that. That's mm. interesting. I'm into it. Yes, the blood centers. Okay, I don't know much about chakras. I just know it's kind of like a series of points down the center of your body. Right. I guess from my understanding, but they just they're like just dis- like energy points. Oh, sorry, they the, do the sli- they do say it's they um, a note on the blood centers. <laughs> they have many names, most notably chakras. So yeah, that's what it is because <laughs> okay. the blood center locations are the perineum, the s- sacral region, the solar plexus, the heart, the center of the throat, between the eyes, and atop okay. the head. So yeah. Thanks, spectral kittens, for subscribing. <sighs> even after all this, I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> no, it's amazing. It's amazing that someone took the time to write this. It's so bad. Oh my gosh. And anyway, uh, also again, like something interesting. Uh, all of the stuff that it says in here is totally up for grabs for your D and D campaign. Yes, I hope this helps you. Yeah, it's great. It's it's something. They do talk about Lamia Naturalis, which uh-huh. are natural born vampires oh you have that you have that potential okay uh you you uh you're you're young you've been known to master the vampiric arts and attain communion far swifter Mm -hmm. than the average person or vampire okay often these individuals were the targets of poltergeist-like activity and vampiric entities which coalesced and fed upon such unfortunate victims thus their lives were marked by a frequency of night terrors disease and Mm -hmm. affliction and they actually say that the people who were considered changelings or fairy touched are actually natural born vampires. Oh, okay. So there is a Beyond Belief Factor Fiction episode with vampires where the end of it is a similar event did occur. Oh my. So- <laughs> oh my gosh. I haven't seen that. Wait, no, I saw. Is that the one where yeah. they're in the hospital? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's fake. And then he was like, no, it happened in I'm like, Boston okay. or something. Okay. Yeah. It's somewhere. Yeah. So they claim that elves or changelings or fairies are natural vampires. Okay. They're not, they not those other things. So nothing's nothing's off the table. It's all real. And they're all vampires. They're all vampires. Everything all you right. could possibly think okay. is actually a vampire. Okay. Cool. All right. Here's my sticky note that literally just says what. So let's see what this what? page is. <laughs> and pl- also stick around because later we're going to figure it. We're going to go on like all hard science on this stuff. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this one goes into... What I would consider the lich side of things, okay. it's the, the right of transference. So according to tradition, a vampiric black lodge was headed by a master uh, and his, her, his slash her retinue of trusted confidants, whom he, she had schooled in the black arts and whom had attained adeptship. Upon entering close to the point of death, the master would elect one of his adepts to take his, her place. This individual, having been prepared and trained in private by the master for some time prior, following this, the master would address their final few affairs before retreating into solitude. Some masters were rumored to have sought to extend their life via scientific methods, one infamous example being the blood tank, which I did not Google, but now I'm intrigued. (gasps) 
Others ended their existence with a suicidal takedown of the Lodge's enemies or a pertinent mundane figure. Others still followed an ambitious rite, the Ultimate Black Pact. This was known as the Rite of Transference. The rite involves a host who is offered to give up their conscious life. The master then ascends into the astral and enters the body of the willing host. This was usually done with a ritual sacrifice of the master upon his slash her astral ascent, and the host would either direct their essence toward the master or into a crystal. Braver souls offered their services to the ascended masters who would usher them away to the darkest astral corners. Yeah, so basically they uh, claim that they moved into someone else's body instead of dying. Oh, okay. Or another variant of this, rather than a willing host, was having the master enter the body of a newborn or unborn child, who would then be raised within the care of the lodge, who would name the child by his slash her former name, and in time, hope to bring the child to recall its previous life. This continuation of consciousness within a specific physical parameter is but one way in which the tradition and teachings were preserved through harsher times, when adepts of all pursuits were under heavy persecution by the Nazarene church. Yeah, so uh, also, you know, the plot of a horror movie, I guess. Right, okay. Uh, Yeah, while you're reading that, I went to the, because I saw one of you on the chat mention the press, the Martinet press site. Yeah. It's nuts. No. (laughs) It's wild. So there's a, I believe that there's a sequel to this book. No. Uh, Yes. It doesn't need a sequel. <laughs> so it's sky- it's called Scythian Vampiric Witchcraft of the da- Dracon Covenant. Oh. Is that the book you're reading or is it the sequel? Yeah, this is this the Codex th- Aristarchus. Oh, no. Which so is- this is the sequel to this one. This oh. is this, the. And apparently, as the name would indicate, the Black Chthonic Witchcraft, so it is witchcraft, based both on historic record and astral communion with the ascended masters originating from the ancient Hebridean Isles. That's these so referenced now sending their undead clarion call to a new generation of potential adepts, those seeking that which is inherently transhuman and beyond. Posting their approach to the sinister tradition as explicitly vampiric in nature and ontology, the core West Yorkshire-based coven of the organization, so they're a real coven, of authorship and its controversial head, A.A. Moraine, delves deep into not only the historic underpinnings of their unique current, instead including, as well, its ordeals, initiatory degrees, ethnogenic practices, bestiaries, rites, predatory astral praxis, and hitherto-secretive occult and potentially apical knowledge of a dangerous degree encompassing multiple levels of experience. Thus, this is the longest sentence I've ever read. Oh my gosh. Thus allowing the the perspicious perspicious Perspicious. I have, like, okay, that's like an SAT word. Like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Readership with the maximum of will and determination to avail themselves of a transfiguration, both horrific yet godlike, albeit still horrific and fell in nature. I didn't understand anything that you said. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Anyway, but there's a bunch of books on here. One called The Demogorgon. And Ooh, then. Okay, more DD. The Lucifer Luciferax Compendium. These are D&D props. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm in it for the D&D props. Chiranzon the third. Wait, there's more. <sighs> there's more. Oh, New my greetings. Thanks. Gnosis and the action something. Oh, boy. Forthcoming book, Gosha Daemonium, which is just the lesser key of Solomon. Yeah, I was about to you say, that's just, just yeah. get that. I know. They're like, whoa, spooky. I'm like, that's, you can just get that book. Yeah, that's a historical text. You can pick that up. 
Mm-hmm. Theistic Satanist. Okay. Treading, they, they call themselves Theistic Satanist treading an amoral path. Okay. In this booklet are written, is written and designed to be enacted only by those who truly obey and worship Satan as their god and master. Okay. That's well, it. Well, then why did they say in the other one, no, like, I- <laughs> the old gods or the dark gods or I don't whatever. know. I don't know where that's coming from. All right. They need to get their mission statement revised. Oh, it was Moros. And- yeah. Thank you, Moros. Thank you. Yes. I Like, I don't know. I'm fascinated by this. Like, yeah. story. <laughs> I don't know. Excuse I- me. I feel like if, 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 I don't want to like, I don't want people to feel bad for believing whatever they believe. And that's fine. But also this is a little banana sandwich. Um, (laughs) Anyone anyone can believe what they want to believe and worship whoever, whatever they want. Even if it's a jar of mayonnaise and or whatever. I don't care. Live your bliss. But also I feel like telling people to like prey on other people isn't cool yeah not cool and also it gets worse also also how does it get worse i can tell you (laughs) yeah do no like fake fake like threatening people who are peaceful like like that's bad like this is really bad like oh no we get into insight roles not like the D &D kind of insight role the r-o-l-e-s so you're going to take on different specific kinds of roles throughout your life to gain insight to become a better vampire. Okay. It's bad. And they say that <laughs> you need to do these things. And if anybody has a problem with it, the suitable answer is if you are living according to the expectations of others, you are not worthy of the fruits of the sinister path. The sinister path. I'm like, you shouldn't live according to the expectations of others. That's I know that's good advice, but also you kind of like taking this to a weird Please. You're not um. sinister if you live for yourself either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's just called boundaries. Whew. All right. Insight roles are the alchemical process, which changes the initiate completely, irrevocably, okay. for the better. Only okay. through these tasks and the pathimathos wrought from such tasks is that unique sinister nature of the adept formed. <sighs> okay. Just, like, never take advice from this book, but they say, first, principal insight rolls. First one, either by foot or by bicycle bicycle, or by accepting lifts, travel alone around the world, taking between six months to one year. You must live frugally and carry with you most of what you need. You should travel to as many countries as possible. The more remote, the better, and expect sometimes to find work to enable you to travel further. Which I'm like, I guess that's fine. That's, like, what people do after college. Okay, Sure. Rule number two, become a professional burglar, targeting okay. only victims who have revealed themselves to be suitable, e.g. by testing them. Uh, sure. The aim is to specialize in a particular area, e.g. fine art jewelry, and become an expert in that area and in the techniques needed to gain items. Rule number three, undertake the role of extreme political activist and so champion heretical views by, e.g., Becoming evolved in extreme right-wing activism. <laughs> the aim is to express fanaticism in action and be seen, B is spelled like the, the bug, uh, seen by all right-thinking people as an extremist and a dangerous one. I'm sorry? <laughs> yeah. Roll number four. Right? Four? Are we on four? One, two, three, four. Become a devout jihadist Muslim championing extreme Islamic thinkers and groups. <laughs> Roll number five. Join the police force, assuming you meet the requirements, and so experience life at the sharp end and being a servant of a higher authority. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm on center to set. Just said, yikes on bikes. Yeah, yikes on bikes. Yeah. <laughs> what? Did we just like uncover some kind of horrible doomsday cult? Yes. Like, this like, is bad. Like, what is happening here? Who are these people? Someone needs to like check out if they're okay. Yeah. Are they okay? Isn't that so bad? Wow. Wow. I feel I, like someone needs to to check on them. Like, like they need help, man. I feel bad talking about this, but I was like, this is what they think you need to do. These specific things. What's weird is that, like, so there are lots of different, like, we could go into a whole talk of different versions of, like, solitary witchcraft and things like that. And sometimes people do things like that and, like, have different rituals. on. But, like, I've never heard of someone saying, like, fake fake a fake a threat or like fake like then like join something you don't believe in just to sow chaos yeah like this is like for real like unhealthy like yeah. really not okay stuff to do and it's fascinating that there's a group of people out there who are saying that like that there's like a whole publisher of these books and they're clearly selling them places yeah I don't. I mean, I think you can get this on Amazon. Please don't. Mm-hmm. But I think you can get it on Amazon right now. You can. There's it's an Amazon problem. link on their website. I thought I was going on a fun romp, learning about how to like suck people's blood or whatever. But this was not a fun romp. This was bad. The lies. This book, it has three and a half book. stars on Amazon. <laughs> oh, don't Ooh. worry. It's out of print. Oh, good. The sinister tradition has five stars. Oh gosh. Well, the next chapter is called A-Causal and Astral Vampirism, The Necessary Difference. And I titled my sticky note, It's Not Astral Vampirism, Mom, because there's a fundamental difference. Well, I just looked that up on Amazon and I'm on a list now, so. (laughs) Oh, no. What happened? (laughs) No, I'm just joking. Oh, gosh. Now now we're all on a list. Yeah, I'm probably on a list. I don't know. I bought this from a random person using only cash who had already (laughs) bought it from a bookstore. So I think I'm okay. Uh, but I don't know. probably not from talking about it publicly, but whatever. Yeah. So, uh, the, the aura, just so you know, we're going to get the, the aura of the target is simply a natural response to causal existence by the a-causal body. This astral shell shields the individual, absorbing much of the subtle energy relayed to it. Under special circumstances, this aura can be excited and made into a promising food source via the infliction of pain and terror upon the individual though such practices are beyond the scope of this text. The true energy lies within the individual. This is their acausal energy, their very blood essence. This then marks the pale imitations of from the true vampires. Acausal vampirism yields power, can kill, and inevitably leads to vampiric metamorphosis. Everything else is merely astral scavenging, akin to feeding upon the garbage of others. <sighs> Just so you know, if you're an astral vampire, you eat trash. Okay, man. It's like, there's times that I'm just like, it's so hard coming up with D&D campaigns and stories. And I'm just like, you just got to look to this stuff. There you go. You just got to go to Bigfoot convention and get some weird books. That's wild. Yep. And then they talk about um, evolving beyond Homo sapien to become a lich. I'm like always worried about anyone that says let's evolve beyond yeah. like whatever i'm like uh-oh, uh-oh. this is bad <laughs> like is bad news i'm like this this is this is a red flag don't do that 
Yep. And they talk about the fact that there are two forms of vampiric entities. There's the one where you're alive and you're doing all this stuff. Or the second form is those who have died under circumstances which have caused their astral form to linger on and refuse to acknowledge death. And those are ghosts. That's how you make oh. a ghost. Oh, those are ghosts. Oh, silly mean. Those so, are ghosts. Again, night terrors are vampires. Fairies are vampires. Changelings are vampires. Ghosts okay. are vampires. Everything's vampires. Just FYI. Well, the night terror thing being some like someone astral projecting, I still like that. I think that's I think that's a, that's a really interesting theory. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I, I like that too because hmm. there's some <laughs> Gwyneth de- Paltrow just- tried to warn us. Oh my gosh, Goop tried to save us from this, but alas. I mean, I will say though, like all the stuff in this and the the Goop stuff, they're they're sides of the same coin. Oh yeah, it's like the it, yeah, are, it's just the other side of it. It's the yeah, it's, these are yeah. sides of the same coin for sure. Yeah, and this I, uh, this comes to the person that like I do like spells, I like witchy stuff and setting intentions and all of that for like mental health reasons. Like I think it's a good way to be introspective and healthy, but like. Uh, like it's this is a, this is a different coin altogether like like not even the same like currency <laughs> yeah yeah and it's awful and then like everything in here is just really hateful and to talk yeah. about wiccans I like know. that like no no that's awful and yeah i mean by spells i mean like i'll like make tea and like pour it like let it cool off and pour, give it to my plant if it's like doing bad you know <laughs> things like that yeah but like <laughs> Like, yeah, this is, like, giving you actual bad advice to sow chaos, which, yeah. like, I guess is evil. I guess you're being evil. I guess I guess you're doing it, um, right? You're following the sinister path, according yeah. to this guy. But wow. the next chapter, I stopped reading after this point. But the, next, yeah. the next chapter was called The Irrelevancy of Conventional Morality Within Vampirism. I was no. like, goodbye, I'm done. No. <laughs> Can't wow. take this anymore. Woo. Wow. Like some of the other chapter titles, Undead Confrontation, Implications for the Adept. But like, what, Undead Confrontation, where, 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 how, who? <laughs> where did we- it's so bad. Oh my god, Midnight TQ said, which edition of Vampire the Masquerade is this, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm sorry that I read any of this to you. I sincerely apologize. No, that was that. This has been a fascinating. This has been a fascinating romp. I hope that these people just like also don't use computers. <laughs> Ooh, okay, okay. This chapter, <laughs> the alchemy of hate. Oh no! Why are they so mean? Yeah, in all hearts, there is a source of hatred. It stems from anything, a person, a situation. This hatred should be recognized as a gift. A tool with which to immolate oneself and bring about rebirth via vampiric metamorphosis. Please tell me what it does sounds this sound like, like. It sounds like the the Sith manual. Oh yeah, like I the, think it the is. Sith Bible or whatever it is. Like it sounds like you're just reading from like the Sith book. I think it is. Like one of you. That makes like sense. From Star Wars. Yeah, the alchemy of hate. Like let it consume you. Use yeah. it. Use it. Let it consume you. And then they quote quote Nietzsche at the end. Oh, God. Yeah, the greatest <laughs> epochs in our lives occur when we gain the courage to rechristen what is evil in us as what is best. I'm like, okay, <laughs> please. It's just the Sith. This, they just want to be Sith. And then it goes into, like, a chapter that's another third-person piece of fan fiction. So I just, I don't know what to tell you. 
There's a, there's, we, we end with a brief look at the future, which I didn't read and I'm very scared. Oh. Whew. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, when was this published? Asked Transman. 2016! Oh, so it was like recent. That's because this, this press, this like, this Martin press or whatever. Yeah, this is, uh, I don't even want to read the brief look at the future. It's pretty, it's pretty much what you would expect. <laughs> People are food. I think, like, I feel like, here's my take on this now that we've finally, and I've looked at the website. I feel like this, there's a lot of, like, (laughs) just throw it away. (laughs) There's a lot of, it's, like, almost like an art project in a way. I'm kind of getting, like, maybe because, like, on their website, it literally, like, Happy New Year, and they sign it, Hellish Regards. The MP executive team. Hellish Regards. (laughs) How can we know what is real? What? How can we distinguish fact from fiction? I don't know. They're in Yorkshire. They're in England. We could. We could go be like, hey, can we have like an audience? I don't know if I want to mess with them. I don't either. Um, <laughs> anyway, before we go on, <laughs> now that I've, I've just, ruined everything, before we go on, I need to just read this comment on their WordPress site because this is. There's there's like slurs in it and like I'm not gonna read that. No. But in the beginning it just says, Hi, I'm British. I saw a tentacle thing shoot out of me in Astral. It was attacking someone. I can see two entities around me, both have tentacles connected to my chakra. I feel like a tentacle is trying to break into my heart chakra. I don't like this feeling. What gives? What gives? What gives? <laughs> It's a vampire. You're a vampire. And then there's like like slurs, and I'm like, no. Oh, this has been a this has been a romp. I just like how like we try to do something innocent and it always goes like I'm like, oh vampires, it'll be fun. Just go just like the train like lost its rails and just started like rolling down the track. Honestly, I did not look at that book since I bought it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I have a book on vampires. I just never read it. I just bought it because it sounded like overly ominous. And then I started reading it. I was like, oh, no, I'm already I've already researched like half of this. So I might as well tell you about it because it's bananas. Wow. All right. Are we ready for some history? (laughs) Yes, please. Yes, please. Everyone, are you ready for some some history? All right, I'm going to cross my legs again because I need to, like, comfy myself now that I've been traumatized. <laughs> You're welcome. That was that was a lot. But yeah. I'm, glad that, I'm glad that we read it because now we know about some weird doomsday cult in West Yorkshire who think they're vampires. So if you go to West Yorkshire and or you live in England and are anywhere near there. Watch out. Watch out for that because there's probably, like, a couple baristas there or something that, like, <laughs> do this on the side. Yeah. Also, if any of you are in England near West Yorkshire, please go check this out for us. But be safe. <laughs> but be safe. Or just and never buy this book. It's a hotbed for Nosferatu. <laughs> exactly. So back to JSTOR, who will never speak to us again after this last... Sorry, JSTOR. <laughs> um, I read two articles. One was about the forensic pathology and the European vampire. And the other was the history of the word vampire. Ooh. So I'm going to start with the history of the word vampire because that's really, I find that like when I did a lot of history research, go like finding the word was usually where we kind of found the earliest, like more or less existence of these things that we as a modern concept think of as vampires, depending on what country it also started in. So in this article, 
Um, and this is from the University of Pennsylvania of the Journal of the History of Ideas, which is Ooh, fun. Okay. So I have a couple different words. I took notes and like poorly because I'm really bad at it. But <laughs> apparently the first, the first like presence of the actual word vampire spelled like we spell it, said like we sell it or say it was in 1737 France. Um, there were two victims in the village of Kisilova. And that's where that came from, France. Oh, and then, and then in England, it was in 1679. So I'm going to read on this little... I have some actually primary sources, which are like my favorite, and it's really exciting. So this is this is the anonymous author, author of The Travels, was a member of the Royal Society and the University of Oxford. And the description of vampires is contained in the description of Lubania in the Duchy of Carniola, Serbia. Which is interesting because Serbia had actually had a, um, a, a the Serbian vampire epidemic of 1725. So Serbia actually had oh. a vampire epidemic, believe that's, it or not. That's wild. Yeah. We're so, and then we'll go. So we're going to go through this, and then we're going to go into what uh, vampires actually are and how they came up with these descriptions of vampires, which is way grosser than you expect. So. <laughs> So we're going to read the description, this early description of vampires from 1725. Are you ready? Yes. So these vampires, spelled with a Y, so V-A-M-P-Y-R-E-S, are supposed to be the bodies of deceased persons animated by evil spirits, which come out of the graves. In the nighttime, suck the blood of many of the living and thereby destroy them. Such a notion will probably be looked upon as fabulous and exploded by many people in England. However, it is not only countenanced by Baron Valvasor and many Carniolese noblemen. This is in France. I will butcher the French words. I'm so sorry. Noblemen, gentlemen, etc., as we were informed, but likewise actually embraced by some writers of good authority. M. Joe Henner Zophius, director of the Gymnasium of Essen, a person of great erudition, has published a dissertation upon them, which is extremely learned and curious from whence we shall beg leave to transcribe the following paragraph. So th this is a 1700s author now quoting another author. Okay. Uh, the vampires, which come out of the grave in the nighttime, rush upon people sleeping in their beds, suck out all their blood and destroy them. They attack men, women, and children, sparing neither age nor sex. The people attacked by them complain of suffocation and a great interception of spirits, after which they soon expire. Some of them ask at the point of death, what is the matter with them? Say they suffer in the manner just related from people lately dead, or rather, the specters of those people, upon which their bodies, from the description given of them by the sick person, being dug out of their graves appear in all parts as the nostrils, cheeks, breast, mouth, etc., turgid and full of blood. Their countenances are fresh and ruddy, mouth, or fresh and muddy, and their nails, as well as hair, very much grown. And though they have been much longer dead than many other bodies, which are perfectly putrefied, not the least mark of corruption is visible upon them. Those who are destroyed by them after their death become vampires, so that to prevent so spreading an evil, it is found requisite to drive a stake through the dead body, from whence is dug out of the grave and burnt to ashes, upon which all disturbances cease. The Hungarians call these specters Pamgri, and the Serbians vampires, but the antonym or reason of these names is not known. These specters are reported to have infested several districts of Serbia and the Banat of Temsware in the year 1725 and for seven or eight years afterwards, particularly those of... Mavidia and Medea and Perican near the Morovia near the Morova. 
1732, we had a relation of some of the feats in the neighborhood of Cassiova, and the public prince took notice of the tragedies. They acted in the bannet of Teamswear in the year 1738. Father Gabriel, like Ragzicki, in his Natural History of the Kingdom of Poland and the Great Duchy of Lithuania, published a Sendomir in 1732, affirms that in Russia, Poland, and the Great Duchy of Lithuania, dead bodies actuated by infernal spirits sometimes enter people's houses in the night, fall upon men, women, and children, and attempt to suffocate them. And that of each... And that of such diabolical facts, his countrymen have severely several very authentic relations. The Poles call a man's body that that informed Upir, and that of a woman Upritska, for example, a wingered feather creature, which seems to be deduced from the surprising lightness and activity of these incarnate demons. Now, that's what's interesting is actually Upir, U P I R E, is from Easter from the Eastern Slavic area. That first appears in 1040, 1049. Oh, wow. So 10, sorry, 1047. I think it's a seven or nine. I can't, I can't write seven of nine, <laughs> uh, Star Trek. Anyway. Yeah. So actually, Upir in the, in the slot by, in the Slavic sense, that's when actually the, the first instance of the vampire appears. But later on, obviously they through other countries and through what happened in Serbia, it started moving into France and then into England. And then the actually, hold on, the strigioi from Bulgaria, which was also where it showed up, the strigioi is actually a word now that means in Bulgarian monsters or werewolves. But back then in the 1600s, it meant night birds that sucked the blood of children. Now, if you mention, if you look at here, they said that vampires were actually light and that in the upir actually had to do with them being almost bird-like and sucking the blood and suffocating people. So the strigioi and the upir are similar Eastern European ideas of something very light sucking the blood of another creature. That's bird-like. Yeah, that's bird-like, which is why vampires in our lore can fly and turn into bats. Oh. It's weird that it started, it's like a, a bird thing. I wouldn't think that for like yeah, biting or sucking that- blood. I don't think birds. Though there is a, I mean, in the Middle Ages, there's actually a bunch of bird lore. In fact, pelicans, they say that they, I mean, this was all not true, but this is the stuff they would say. They would say that pelicans would um, feed their young by poking a hole in their chest and letting their blood come out. So you'll see a lot of medieval images of pelicans like stabbing their chest and blood coming out. Where where did they get that from? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I have no idea. But so, and so in this article, it says in Hungary and Transylvania, the supposed homeland of vampires, the term vampire exists only as a neologism and was never as popular as in the West. Again, in, in Hungarian, the word vampire first appeared in 1786. But those other words, the, as I like the upir and all those other ones are much older. So, so that's the word etymology. Uh, of vampire. So it started in the, in the solid Middle Ages as a different word, um, and then sort of evolved and went over to the, really started in France and England, the word vampire is where it came from. And I know, like, all the history of that, like, Vlad the Impaler stuff, but that existed way before that. So the idea of vampires existed way before, ah, I hit my mic, I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> way before Strahd the Impaler. Strahd. Sorry, Strahd. Vlad. Strahd the Impaler? <laughs> that was just, that was a, uh, what was it a Freudian fr- slip? Freudian that was a Freudian slip. slip. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm still I'm still traumatized from Curse of Strahd. Please, please, please excuse me. Please, please excuse. So the other thing 
the other article that I read, Strahd, <laughs> everyone's laughing. I know. I'm scared. Strahd is scary, everyone. Yeah. He's pretty scary. It's a scary guy. story. He's on Twitter. There's a, there's a Strahd Twitter that I follow. It's really funny. Oh, yeah. I've seen that one. It's amazing. So, yeah. I My guess of where the word, the actual um, word came from as, like, my, as from reading these articles as my, like, you know, final, my final answer Ooh. is that it, it had to come from from the Eastern Slavic area in the Middle Ages, the upire, upir, had to do with that bird, that, like, blood-sucking bird, and that's how vampires spread everywhere, and then then became the vampire that we know. So, that legend kind of morphed into what this, what the modern-day legend is. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. Ooh. This is, this is our, how we got the actual modern-day like translation of vampires as in like dead people that rise out of graves and like come and kill people like what i described from that one article and that's in this article of the forensic pathology and the european vampire so So. vampires (laughs) where they came from is because people don't understand how bodies decompose (laughs) that's literally where it came from and it makes like perfect sense actually it's it's really really interesting so a lot of vampires, especially in the, this is a lot of the lore of like France and England and stuff. So not necessarily, we're not really talking about where it originally came from because that was so long ago. The primary sources start getting really thin. So as this gets later into 1600s, we get more evidence of vampires. Like we said, and the, you can see in that one article in the 1700s, that person was like, yeah, there's scholarly articles on this. And it's because they actually did research on this stuff. Like, they actually researched these bodies that they believed were vampires. But what was happening is they actually said that vampires were a a problem of the villages, not of the cities, and of the poor, not of the rich, and usually happened to people that had died swiftly, violently from suicide, murder, things like that. Now, and those are all, like, really traumatic things, obviously, so it wouldn't make sense that something like that you know, would be assigned to people that had died in those certain ways. But the main reason, one of the main reasons why they were seen as vampires is because if you, they talk about vampires not being decaying. And that was in the two different articles that I read as they talk about, oh, they exhume the bodies. So they actually exhumed the bodies a lot. So if someone died, they claimed to be a vampire, and then their, one of their family members started dying. They thought that the vampire was preying on their family members, and then they would exhume the body to see if they were a vampire. So the way that they saw if they were a vampire was if they were decaying or not. Well, it just so happens that a lot of the different ways that people decay, like they don't, people's bodies don't actually decay that quickly. And a lot of these places are also very cold. So the body doesn't start even decaying until it gets above 50 degrees. Right. And it decays way faster when it, the body is exposed to air. So if you put a body into the ground when it's winter and very cold, it's not going to decompose that quickly. So a lot of the and, the, and the people who were suicides and died, you know, were usually put into shallow graves. They didn't get ceremonies. They didn't get all of the pomp and circumstances of the time because suicide was seen as so sinful. So a lot of these people that were murdered or killed or in like brutal ways were put into shallow graves, which means that eventually their body would, the, the dirt would start to move away or they wouldn't decompose properly because it was too cold. And then they would, and like maybe their family members died. And then when they would start seeing them, you know, come out of the grave more or less, they'd be like, oh man, this person's a vampire. When in all like reality, they just weren't decaying right. 
because it was either winter or their bodies weren't like properly disposed of. And a lot of things like they even would say like, oh, like the blood didn't coagulate. And there's like a whole scientific part of this article about how sometimes when people's bodies are decomposing, the blood doesn't curdle or coagulate or dry out and it will actually stay liquid. So there's so in parts of your body, there'll still be liquid blood. And so, like, that's why they thought that they were alive because – and a lot of the blood and stuff might go to extremities where your lips and things are, which caused them to look bloody. So, it was so many different ways. Like, if you weren't just, like, decomposing, all of the different weird ways the human body decomposed made people think that they were vampires. And one of the other things that was super gross is if they were a shallow – again, a shallow grave. There was another primary source about horses bucking. Like so, like one of the legendary things that if if a vamp or if a vampire is in a grave and someone brings their horse to the grave, the horse won't go over the grave, and they're like, "Well, yeah, because the if it's a shallow enough grave and the body's like bloated and decomposing, and some of the dirts are it smells, so the horse is like, ew, yeah, the horse, <laughs> the no, horse is just like, ew, no, I'd rather so not, yeah, exactly." And it said, so what's really happening is not that bodies are, that they're turning into, they actually, Revenant and Vampire can actually be, um, they're like the same thing, more or less, in these folkloric things. So, but it says, like, Revenants and Vampires, they're not actually that. That's just because they're coming to the attention of a populace that only has a very inadequate understanding of how a body decays. It says the bodies that are buried well do not draw attention to themselves later, which again would be the rich people. Like, where they have the money to, like, have someone dig it in a cemetery and build a big hole and do all this other stuff. And then it says the the bodies that are buried well do not draw attention to themselves later, as did, for example, that of the child in the account quoted earlier, which was dug up by dogs because of careless burial. Moreover, as Glastier points out, people who die suddenly in apparent good health do not decompose as rapidly as those who die after a long illness. It will be seen that the murder, yeah, see, murder victims and suicides are especially likely candidates for vampirism, not only because they are not buried properly, but because of their sudden death, they don't decay quickly. Okay. Yeah, and it's because, like, and a lot of the things that vampires also say is the earth is disturbed at the grave of the vampire, and it's because they're, like, the body is, like, bloating and, like, decomposing. So if it's not buried deep enough... Like, you could even see it move. And they would say, like, that the bodies would groan and things like that. And that could be, God, like, who knows, like, disgusting, like, trapped air and all kinds of, like, horrible things. I read, um, one of the things I pulled up online was a History Channel article about vampires. And they actually, one of the big stories was about a girl named Mercy Brown, mm-hmm. who that that happened to. Like, they said, um, the, like, she, it said... The George Brown, he was a farmer. He lost many family members, including Mercy, to tuberculosis. And the community used her as a scapegoat to explain the deaths because it was common at the time to blame several deaths in one family on the quote unquote undead. Yeah, that's that's what this art that's um that's where this article came from. I got this article from the History Channel. I got this academic article from the history that history channel article down in the sources. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's yeah, because it's, it's the they same say thing. That, yeah, because they said when Mercy's body was exhumed and didn't display severe decay, not surprising since her body was placed in an above ground vault during a New England winter, the townspeople yes. accused her of being a vampire and making her family sick from her icy grave. They cut out her heart, 
burned it, then fed the ashes to her sick brother. Perhaps not surprisingly, he died shortly thereafter. <laughs> he died right after, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this, that, that, I found that History Channel article, and I was like, there's got to be better articles than this History Channel article. Like, they just talk about aliens all the time. So then I went, <laughs> I went to the bottom, I went to the sources and found this, this source. And that's, yeah, they, it talks about that kind of stuff, too, where it's like they, they would actually take the hearts out and burn them and all kinds of crazy things. There's another thing in this article that says, um, let's see, it says, as noted, any attempt to make sense out of the folklore of death must begin with considering the facts of death. And it talks about, like, what happens when you die, more or less. So, like, how bo- when bodies decompose, like, these things can happen in any order. It says the face of the body undergoes swelling and discoloration. The abdomen distends because of the gases given off by the microorganisms that cause decomposition. A blood-stained fluid escapes from the mouth and nostrils, the nails are shed, and the hair is loosened, while the beard appears to grow, but does not because the facial skin sinks back, and the abdomen and thoracic cavities burst open. So all these things can happen at different times, so if someone just looked like they had blood on their face, and it's just a dead body, like, they're like, oh, it's a vampire. Yeah, that's wild. Right? Science. All right. Also, Vlad the Impaler was was a prince of Wallachia, not of Transylvania, and I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, and apparently, I, I read that people thought he's what ex- inspired Dracula, but he's not. Because no. I think it, the rumors were the reason I think people thought that. I, re- I read a little bit about him and saw it went nowhere, but basically, it was like he just really liked to impale people in wooden stakes, and there were rumors that he would like eat bread next to dead bodies and dip the bread in blood and eat it. Ugh. But that was probably people trying to make him sound gross and scary. Yeah. <laughs> probably. I don't think he would have lived very long if he kept eating random people's blood. I don't know. Maybe. Live your bliss. Except don't do that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. And then there's so there's a whole list of things about about the uh, like there's someone made a list of how like where to find vampires. I'm trying to find it in the article. Oh no, I know where to find them. It's in that yeah. place where I read that book in Yorkshire. earlier. Yorkshire. Anyway, this is a summary of information that's been reported about vampires and revenants. So this, these are from primary sources. These are like wh- what we know about the past and what they thought vampires were. And each of these can be explained away with like the idea of like abnormal decomposition and like weather and stuff. So murder victims, suicides, and victims of plague tend to become revenants. Indeed, revenants cause plague. They're often unpopular people even before their deaths. The earth is disturbed at the revenant's grave, or there are holes in the earth. The body is not decomposed, is bloated, and is flush and ruddy. He may suck blood from his victims, evidence of which is the bloating and the blood at the lips of the body where he is found in his grave. So they would find those pools of blood inside the body and be like, oh, they just, like, sucked someone's blood when it was just actually from decomposing. The friends and neighbors of the revenant die after his death. I mean, it could be the plague. He could be heard in the grave chewing on his extremities or on the shroud, especially in times of plague. That's gross. He is most likely to be about in the winter. And then we talked about the winter. Yeah. Yeah, he is most likely to be about in the winter. His body is warm to the touch. He has an evil smell. I mean, they're dead. They're dead. But he yeah. shows no signs of rigor mortis. His hair and nails have continued to grow after death. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. His principal natural enemies are wolves and dogs. The revenant cannot cross water and must return to his grave by sunrise. Potential revenants may be disposed of in swamps. 
It takes some time for a person to become a revenant after death. Most accounts mention either nine days or 40 days. A revenant can be being killed by the following means. Pierce him with a stake, obviously. Um, sometimes a needle is specified. Cut off his head, cut out his heart, burn him, or all of the above. A revenant may be kept in his grave by pinning him to his coffin or to the ground in his grave, or by securing the grave with bolts or weighing down the body. Which is really smart, and I should have done that in D&D a couple of times. Yeah. Revenants may be controlled by the harnessing of their compulsi- compulsions, as by scattering poppy or millet or mustard seeds in their graves. They must then gather them up one by one, which I've heard this before. Oh my gosh. Right? What? We've heard this before. It's like it... <laughs> Like it was some, there was some other creature that did this, that like if you threw poppy seeds on the ground, they had to pick them up. I can't remember. I can't remember either. But yeah, I remember that where it's like, just make, just spill this on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I gotta pick them all up. Right? Yeah. (laughs) It was something, it was some other creature we had like read about, but it says, or by putting a fishing net or a sock into the grave with them, they must unravel these usually at the rate of one knot per year. And then this is this is great. Flames shoot out of the mouth of some Slavic vampires. Whoa. Yeah. When a revenant is killed in his grave, he is apt to scream or groan and to move suddenly, and fresh blood flows from his wounds. You may protect yourself from a revenant by means of garlic. Vampires and other revenants are frequently described sitting up after death, sometimes in the grave or coffin. Vampirism is a phenomenon of the villages, not of the cities, or the lower class, or not of the cities, of the upper class, of the lower class, not the upper. So, I mean, that's all those things that I said. And pretty much this article goes through and what I said earlier just more or less gives a reason for each of those things. I really want to use that in my D&D game. I'm in a Ravenloft game right now. And I'm like, if we ever encounter vampires, I'm just going to throw mustard seeds down and be like, all right. You have to. You have to put weights on them. And what it says, I needed to, I wanted to read this because it's, it's, it's just so wild. And it says, well, it said the flames come come out of the mouth. It says, and implausible as this seems at first sight, it's likely some it's likely something of this sort would in fact happen when a vampire was cremated. This is because the body of the supposed vampire is swollen to bursting with the gases of decomposition, and these gases, mostly methane, are highly flammable. Since the gases are forming intrinsically within the tissues as well as within the thoracic and abdominal body cavities. The staking of the bo- and the staking of the body, while it will release some of the gas, will not release all of it by any means. Especially when c- to do you consider that through much of Slavic territory, the stake had to be driven in at one blow. A second blow revived the vampire. This oh. is perhaps one of the reasons why the last resort method of disposing of a vampire is always burning him. That's really that's really upsetting. That like the it just you put you and go and cremate them and just flames come out of their mouth. That's. That sounds like some Dark Souls stuff. Right? I I like these, like, additional quirks to vampires. Because, I mean, all you really hear is that they suck blood and they yeah. can't be out in the sunlight. Does it go into that? Any of those texts, do they go into, like, the sunlight thing? This one, no. They I don't think they talked about... They talked about, gar- they talked about garlic here. Hold on. And this person pretty much said the same thing that I thought, which about the garlic. Since I find myself wondering if garlic was originally a specific agent against the stench of the dead body. I think that's what it is. Yeah, like to cover it. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Also, there's vampires in China. There's vampires, like like the lore of vampires, like stretches all the way to China, which I think is really interesting. That is interesting. Um, and it says, note that in China, as in Europe, the garlic is held to be useful when in one is in the presence of a dead body. Yeah, it's definitely the smell then. Yeah. But like garlic smells bad too. 
Yeah, but it doesn't smell like as bad as a dead thing. I guess that's true. We had a dead like mouse in the wall once when I was growing up. It was in the wall between the bathroom oh, no. and my room, and I had to smell it for like no. a couple weeks because it was in the summer. So it's uh, I would have rather smelled garlic, hands down. Should have hung some garlic. That would have been the smart thing to do. Here's the yeah right. Here's the uh, this is from uh, the religious systems of China. It says it is a general conviction that anyone who calls at a mortuary house incurs a kind of pollution, especially so if death has been untimely or caused by a disease. Some condolers therefore wisely hide a few garlic roots under their garments, convinced that the strong smell will prevent the influences of death from clutching their bodies. On leaving the house, they throw the roots away in the street. So I think it is the smell that is supposed to keep away. And then eventually it's got this magical property of that it keeps vampires away. Interesting. Yeah, and it talks about how, like, again, things, you know, how the groaning can be just from gases being let out of the body, things like that. that. The moving is sort of the same thing. Like, like it says that bodies can actually sit up, which is awful. Ew, really? Yeah. But it says, like, the evidence remains contradictory. So it says, such story. this is about the, the them sitting up in their coffin. Such stories are so persistent that they occur over such a wide area. I finally began to wonder if there was something, something to them, although I could not think of a satisfactory explanation. The evidence remains contradictory. Dr. Allen, for example, while himself doubting that such is possible, nonetheless tells me that a colleague of his claims to have seen a movie of this very phenomenon. <laughs> the Blooms quote a classic instance of such real or supposed movement of the body. And this is someone's like modern day thing of someone sitting up. And it says, on my mother's island, a man was very ill and became unconscious. The people thought that he had died. And so they prepared the funeral. After the ceremony, there was mo- a movement in the coffin and slowly the man began to rise. Well, the people there believed he was becoming a Vercolax, which in their, well, I don't know what that is, which I Ooh. guess is a vampire. In their fright, they threw everything they could find at him. Sticks, rocks, anything. In that way, they did kill him when before he had only been in a coma. Oh, no. (laughs) No. That's awful. There was a fact or fiction episode where, did you see that one where the the older southern gentleman had a young bride and she got sick and they thought she died, but, and they buried her and she wasn't actually dead. And she was like, let me out. And then he was like, oh, okay. Yes, I remember that. It always comes back to beyond belief. Oh, my God. Wow. I like... I like the science. Here it is. Um, This is their, like, final thing. There's so much science in this. Yeah, it says, finally, after having gone to such lengths to argue that the lore of the vampire arose out of misconceptions concerning the nature of decomposition, I must concede that there are well-attested accounts of actual dead bodies being involved in the drinking of human blood. It is not as people believed, however, for by a peculiarly gruesome and chilling irony, the blood of the supposed vampire was regarded as a specific as a specific against vampirism and was baked into bread, painted on the potential victim, or even drunk. Blood was actually consumed, in other words, but by the victims, and it was the blood of the supposed vampire. The vampires themselves, it would appear, were and are dead. So people would consume the blood of vampires to prevent vampires from coming after them. Ugh. Yeah, right? Ugh. No. I'm trying to think if there's any, like, modern lore that uses that i don't i feel like there's lots of like pop culture vampires where if you drink the vampire's blood you become a vampire but i can't think of one where it's like 
this repels other vampires if you drink this right. vampire blood. Well, and so much of this stuff, all of this comes from all these different interesting ideas, like the garlic for the smell, people sitting out. I mean, there's so many things that like tie together where it all comes from. It's just really interesting. I, I would like to know more about the sunlight thing, which I feel like maybe that's just a, oh, it's only at nighttime because you can't see them because you're asleep. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Well, what's interesting is they didn't even mention that in this article. So I'm wondering if that's a modern thing. It could be. Just like adds another spooky layer. Like, yeah, because a lot it was saying like people thought the vampires were from like Hungary because of like them casting someone in like interview with vampires. So like. Let's see. I'm gonna, I wasn't even on there. The sunlight thing wasn't even on the list. That's interesting, because I feel like that's a big thing. There is burning them. Like, that's talked about a lot. Yeah, that must be... I guess it's just a... Because it sounds like... Well, unless... Because hmm, I guess anything with the dead body composing, that could happen in the day or the night. But unless they think... They're associated with the night because they assume that these dead bodies would rise in the night and Oh, no, people. I did read it. I'm sorry. I did read it. Oh. I, I had just forgotten. But I did <laughs> Tell read me. it. Tell me. I just me. Googled it and I was like, didn't I read? Okay. So it's an actual condition that they didn't understand and probably would cause people to die. And then they start associating with vampires is there's a rare skin condition linked to sun sensitivity called porphyria. Sometimes knows as the vampire disease. Porphyria is an incurable inherited disorder. Again, inherited, it's their families. It affects the nervous system and skin. And it causes, um, it causes like, like welts to appear on your skin if you go into the sun. Okay. So it's an autoimmune disease, more or less. Ugh, my curse. Yeah. So you're allergic to the sun. It means you're allergic to the sun. <laughs> okay. And they just tied those two things together, basically? Yeah. Okay. So certain medical conditions such as porphyria and lupus can also cause your skin to be more sensitive to the sun. So, and that was in that article as well, where it said that like, there was something about someone that had this and they thought that they were a vampire and then they died and then their family died and it was like the same sort of thing and they just decided they were a vampire. That seems weak. I'm surprised that turned into a whole rule of vampirism. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There definitely could be more about it. It seems like there's... I'm honestly really invested in the idea of vampires being bird-like and it makes me want to draw something now <laughs> you know that's pretty i mean the the thing is i think the aren't aren't pigeons the only birds that can like suck up water like a straw yes yeah so it's like it would just be i guess a pigeon a vampire, because they're the like only a little ones, sippy i don't know yeah because they're the only ones that can sip it well they said they were yeah, flying birds that sucked blood yes i don't know if you if if you are listening know this but yes pigeons suck water up like a straw and typically birds like scoop it and then like pull their heads back to swallow it but they they do they take a sippy yeah pigeons are one of they're the only bird that can do that right i'm pretty sure that they are yeah that they can do a they can suck suck water like a straw it's adorable it is well, no, adorable hummingbirds can do it can they well yeah because they drink the sugar water stuff they sip they sip it i think they have like really long tongues though don't they yeah but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just funny to watch pigeons drink water because they like slam their whole head in the water. I know. And then they just do a big sippy. <laughs> yeah. A big sip. Big sippy. So that's how I imagine vampires now. Just slamming their beaks into people's <laughs> necks and then doing a big sip. And a big sippy. Well, that's been fun. We went from like <laughs> totally wild, like out of this world, like cults in, I guess, Yorkshire to 
They're just dead bodies, and that's gross in and of itself. I'm sorry that I I read that book to you. I can't tell you what the title is because I threw it across the room. Uh, It's fine. No one needs to know. No one needs to know. It's fine, please. Never purchase it. Yeah, don't do those things. The government will find you. They're going to put you on a list for that, for sure. Do we have any stories this week? We do. Yay. I will start us off. It's time for Fact or Fiction. We will be reading chilling tales submitted from the community and guessing, are these fact, fiction, or somewhere in between? Use your best spooky scout skills to determine the truth. Do you have a scary story to tell? You can submit them to us at spookysaturdaystories at gmail.com to have them read on the show. Just make sure to include if they are fact or fiction and your name. My, uh, my name is Cheyenne. I have a story from my childhood growing up in rural Missouri. Our farm was on the border of the Mark Twain National Forest, and there was always lots of local stories about Bigfoot sightings and strange happenings in the woods. I had horses and liked to go out at night to check on them and look at the stars. One night, I put on my muck boots and a big coat and started walking from the house to the barn. It was a clear night with no wind. About halfway across the courtyard, I saw a bright light above the trees behind the barn and stopped to look up at it. It hovered right above the tree line for a moment and then dropped out of sight into the forest. It appeared to be a bean-shaped object that was glowing bright green. Uh. It made no sound but gave off this greenish glow as it hovered and then slowly dropped. I ran back inside, but I was too scared to tell my parents about it because they were deeply religious and anything quote-unquote otherworldly was sure to start a panic. The next day, I took my horse Shadow and my dog Buddy and rode out into the woods to see if I could find any sign of something falling from the sky or landing. I never found anything, but I've never seen anything like it since, and I still can't explain what it was. No. Whenever whenever anyone asks me if I believe in aliens, I remember that night and don't know how to answer, since it still strikes me as something completely unidentifiable and mysterious. Ah! I hate it! I don't like anything that's, like, bean-shaped. I don't like that. Bean-shaped? I don't like it. it. That's a new one. Those are for burritos, not spookies. Hmm. Fact. Or uh, Parson C says fiction. Nothing is (laughs) bean-shaped. Except for beans. Femme of Center says fiction. Horses don't exist. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, I'm going to say it's a fact. Okay. Well, you're right. This one's real. I hate that. That's a great that's a great story too. Ugh. That's a typical awful encounter. It sounds like I don't know, I feel like this could be a little uh, like a movie because I don't know, it's it, like I like that they uh they went after after it with like their their horse and their dog. I'm like, "Oh man, I could see this as like a movie." I can see that for sure. Ugh. All right, I sent you one whenever you're ready. All right. But that's a great story. Thank you. For, I love alien stories. More alien yes, stories. Yes, more aliens. All the alien stories. All right. Story time. My friend's house is haunted. There's nine of us in the friend group, and all of us have experienced something happening. I'm not sure of all the experiences. I know almost all of us have seen lights turn on and off with bulbs being brand new. We've seen the kitchen tap just turn on when no one was there. The microwave has started for no reason. Stuff like that. One of my favorite stories is that we have dubbed the mask story. My friend Matt made a mask for his art course on a Halloween decoration that the eyes move. He gave it to our friend Greg, who hung it up in his dining room where we all played D&D. Two people were looking at the mask and the eyes just moved. 
They checked the back of the decoration where the batteries would go and there were no batteries in it. They put it back up, thinking it was weird. The mask flew off the nail and landed in the middle of the table like someone threw it. Our friend (laughs) Shania is really sensitive to the paranormal. She's seen ghosts and demons before and she's used She's used to it because she's seen them ever since she can remember. She came to the house and was immediately like, there's a ghost or a demon here. I can feel him. Ugh. Stuff was just let be for about two years until Greg got together with his current girlfriend, Courtney. Courtney was scratched one night in her sleep, not by one of the cats or the dog, because it was too thick for it to be from one of them. Shania and our friend Skylar did some cleansing of the house with sage, salt, and holy water. The spooky Saturday before last is when we all hung out. While we were talking about it, I felt... Someone walked behind me and grabbed me on the shoulder hard enough to leave marks, but there was no one behind me. Shania is hoping that the demon is going to leave us alone now. She is ready to do another cleansing just in case, though. All in all, Greg's house is fucked. (laughs) (laughs) And that's from Sappy. Thank you, Sappy. Um, hate that. Whoa. I know. There's so many stories about ghosts, like, grabbing people and stuff. Like, I hate that they just, like, don't have boundaries. They're just, like, in your personal space. Like, get the ghost out of your personal space. <laughs> like, respect my bubble? Right? Thank yeah. You. <laughs> I'm, I know. Do you can say fact or fiction? Yeah, what do we think? Oh, my God. Geraldo said fact because of my story of the tape recorder with no batteries. That I'm is scary. I'm going to listen to that tape recorder when I come no. out there. I'm going to listen to no. it. No. You save it for me. I'm going to it's come somewhere. listen to it. I'm, I just, I, I'm avoiding it. <laughs> um, I'm going to say fact. Yeah, the similar event did occur. Okay, I see. I think it's majority fact in the chat from what I see. There, no, there's still a lot of fictions. Okay, well, let me tell you, a similar event did occur. We did this it. This one's real. Do, 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 You're on a roll. I know. Last week I was off my game. My bangs are back. I'm back to being Robocop. <laughs> uh, all right, that was good. Thank you, Sappy. Thank you for the story. Okay, do we want to do one more? Let's do one more, yeah. Okay, this one's a little little long. It's probably about the same. All right, ready? I'm ready. Okay, go. Growing up, I lived out in the middle of the forest. I spent a lot of my childhood climbing trees, building forts, and digging in the dirt. My sister and I would play hide-and-seek in the woods a lot. It was fun any time of year. In the spring and summer, you could hide in the foliage. In the fall, you could pile up leaves and grab someone's ankle as they walked by. In the winter, you could build little igloos and slide into them, becoming one with the winterscape. Anyways, as you can expect since I'm writing in, there was one time we played this game that we'll never forget. It was a hot summer afternoon, so the trees were green and the bugs were out in full force. We were trying to be cautious of our hiding places this time of year so as not to disturb any creatures going about their business. I was the one hiding while my sister searched, and I chose to hide in a prime spot that we didn't often use. It was an old fallen tree that had long since been partially reclaimed by the earth and plants surrounding it. It even had some initials carved in it from who knows how long ago. I crawled into a little nook of the base and hid as she called around for me. Time seemed to pass really slowly. I don't know how long I waited, but the sun was setting before I finally heard some footsteps approaching. I was tired by then, so I was trying to be noisy so I could be found so we could go home for dinner. As the footsteps came within arm's reach of me, I sprung up to surprise her, only to see absolutely no one. I started shouting for her, running around the woods. Eventually, I ran for home, not seeing her anywhere. When I got home, my sister had given up trying to find me and was getting washed up for dinner. 
She said she'd figure I'd come home eventually or that I already did because she had been shouting for me for the past hour with no response. I never heard her shouting that day right before I jumped up. No. No. <laughs> That's spooky. That's what we think. Nope, nope, nope. Just nope, nope, nope. <laughs> You know, don't crawl in a fairy hole. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. We don't have enough fairy stories, I feel like. Maybe that's what Oh, yeah, we definitely need some more fairy stories. Hmm. Okay. I see facts. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say fiction on this one. Okay. Because, I don't know, it's convenient. I know, there's like, feels like the chat's half and half here. Well, this one's made up. Oh, we got it. I was right. I'm three for three. You're on a roll. I'm on a roll. Jonathan Frakes, be proud of me. Woo! <laughs> Yay! Yay! I was right. Those were good. I get a prize. I don't. There's, I don't get a prize. <laughs> you can just go get a burrito now. Yay! My Yay! favorite. <laughs> good stories, everyone. And remember, if you want to send stories to us, make sure to send stories to spookysaturdaystories at gmail.com. Any stories work, fact or fiction. Yeah, make, make a bunch of stuff up. It's fun. Yeah, make stuff up. Tell stories you wish happened to you, because that'd be cool. Yeah. Talk about vampires, or not. Just or the, not. the good ones. Not the weird ones. Can we get that one, maybe one day we can get Jonathan Frakes to show up. Uh, we have Jonathan Frakes, please. Yeah, please, please, please show up. Please. Send um, him an email. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, that's, that's, that's it. That's it for today's episode. We did it. We got stories. Send more stories. I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, dopey. That was that was a rabbit hole that I did not think existed, but it does. Yeah, that was wild. It does. Yeah, and it's it's just like what the sinister path is out there. Sinister path. Oh, yeah. everyone's requesting a frakes before we go. Oh, okay, all right. I don't give you frakes. Just don't get. As long as you promise not to get get riled up in the sinister the sinister path Ugh, and now it's time for us all to go take a nap mm-hmm. and eat dinner yes i am hungry too today's just a, it's all sorts of menial problems i know the hu- the the uh the curses of the human body the human body is a cage you know we do need chris straub's version did you see his version Oh the, my gosh. It was so I loved fun. that video. That was so good. <laughs> it was like I found it on the back of a Denny's menu. <laughs> We're like, oh my god. <laughs> it was amazing. We should ask him if we could use that because it's incredible. It is. It's amazing. We should. It's really, really good. Um, but yeah, so we'll see you all. I believe we'll just be next week here, same time, same place. All right, everyone. Stay safe, stay spooky, and we'll see you. We'll see you in another two weeks. Thanks for joining us for Spooky Saturday. I'm Kayla Klein, and you can find me at KaylaKlein.com or on social media as at K-A-Y-N-C-L-I. And I'm Holly Conrad, and you can find me on social media as at Holly Conrad or at Commander Holly. And you can find our clothing store at TrashCoven.com. We hope you enjoyed learning and speculating with us tonight. If you want to find out more about Spooky Saturday and becoming a Spooky Scout, you can find links to our social media, Discord, and more at SpookySaturday.com. Spooky Saturday airs live every Saturday on twitch.tv slash hollyconrad at 3 p.m. Pacific.